Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This is episode 183. I'm going to apologize right off the bat. I've gotten a couple bits of feedback about my audio quality being a little inconsistent. And right now I am in possibly the worst uh, room for recording audio. It's like a concrete room. So I, I'm, I really, really apologize. But I just I promise you that my schedule would not allow for me to be in any other place than the one that I'm in now. So without further ado, I say we get into the podcast. So Today's interview is with the founder of Four Sigma Foods, and they make some amazing products using medicinal mushrooms, and uh, you're going to learn a lot about mushrooms. But first, I want to address a comment that I got on the last podcast from a listener, and the podcast episode was with Russ Perry of Design Pickle, which is a service that basically for $200 offers unlimited design work, uh, $200 per month, unlimited design work, whether it's blog images or Photoshop or, or any kind of graphic design, they'll do it unlimited for $200. And I had a, a little bit of a Twitter back and forth with somebody and then they commented on the blog and basically they were saying, um, actually I will, uh, I'll, I'll quote them to be most accurate. They said, is the idea to outsource to the Philippines or the next cheap labor country all our highly skilled jobs? Graphic designers spend years perfecting their craft. U.S. art schools turn out graduates whose best hope is to freelance as few companies hire internal resources. Now we're telling them that they have to compete with $200 a month laborers in the Philippines? Is this really something to be proud of in the less doing nation? I'm not so sure. So uh, I have to say, and I'm, I'm sorry if this is going to sound harsh, but that is incredibly small-minded thinking. Um, someone who thinks in this way is going to have a very difficult time being successful in the new world that we live in. Uh, what a lot of people don't get, what they don't seem to understand, is that this kind of outsourcing is very, very good for us here in the U.S. or in, in any country where you might be outsourcing labor. Because what $200 a month for graphic design allows you to do is as a solopreneur, you can have a much larger, much more successful graphic design business. I truly believe, as I say all the time, that 5% of what you do is unique to you and only you can do it and do it better than anybody else. And the 95% of stuff that you shouldn't be doing needs to be done by someone else or something else. So you as a single freelance person can take on much larger projects if you hire graphic designers for $200 a month. You can bill out your services at $500 a month if you want or $1,000 a month. It doesn't matter. But you can then get a lot of the grunt work done by these kinds of services. And it's not just graphic design. There's a you know, place where you can do transcription like this. You can do translation. Even in one of my older businesses where I was doing green building consulting, where I consulted in the lead green building rating system, I actually had an architect working for me in Egypt, and she was getting a significantly lower rate than uh, architects in America would get. And that doesn't mean that architects are losing their jobs. It means that I actually can take on much bigger projects and focus on much more higher level work. So what this also means is that somebody who gets out of a, a U.S. art school, they don't have to be spending hours and hours, you know, recreating logos and doing variations. They can do the high level thinking, the really creative 
creative stuff and think of the great, you know, innovative new imagery or whatever it might be. And then they can pass off the rest of that work to somebody else. And then they can go ahead and focus on more things. So I'm sorry, but if you think that outsourcing to other countries that are cheaper is going to hurt your ability to do your job, then you're just completely looking at this backwards. This is a blessing in terms of your ability to actually build a business of your own and have the freedom that less doing wants you to have. Without further ado, I'd like to get to the links. Now, the, the first link I want to mention today, there's <laughs> this is just an interesting one. The article was over at Vocative, and it's about the world's strongest man. So this guy, if you ever watch the World's Strongest Man competitions, they're usually on at really random hours, and they're really fun to watch. You see people carrying 400-pound rocks and pulling trucks with their, you know, with their, or, or entire planes with their legs. Somebody who can carry two refrigerators at the same time. So this guy from Denver is the, the newest World's Strongest Man. He's 33 years old, and uh, his name is, uh, is uh, Shaw is his last name. What is his full name? Something Shaw. I think Brian Shaw. Oh, Brian Shaw. Okay, so he eats 10,000 calories a day, which is not that surprising. Uh, he is six feet, eight inches tall, and he weighs 435 pounds. Now, he's not exactly like an Adonis, but this guy is a lot of muscle. He basically can pick up, not basically, he can pick up cars, essentially. So uh, it's just kind of fascinating to see what you have to eat. But what what I also thought was cool about this was, yeah, he's eating like 10,000 calories a day, but that's also not the most that uh, that athletes have eaten. Michael Phelps was famous for eating 12,000 calories a day. Uh, apparently, the average horse eats 15,000 calories a day. So he's eating about two-thirds as much as a horse. I just think this is kind of an amazing thing. So anyway, that's the first one I want to start you off with. The second one is there's a new plug-in for Chrome called Gatekeeper. And there are other plugins like this, but this one seems to do it really, really well. Basically, it allows you to filter your Facebook feed. You know, so if you're thinking about like what my, what I recommend for email with the optional versus essential, you can actually block very specific things on a Facebook feed so that you don't see them at all. Certain keywords, you know, maybe you don't want to read all the crap about Donald Trump, for example. Uh, you can actually filter by mood, which is really cool. So maybe you don't want to see anything that seems angry or sad. That's possible too. So uh, that's, that's, that's really useful, actually, in terms of helping you focus on the things that you... It's not even so much about focusing, because I really don't believe in necessarily like limiting yourself in, in terms of putting blinders on. I'd rather you just process the information better. But the thing is, is Facebook is one of those weird things where you really can use it for business, but you also can obviously very easily get lost in a wormhole and waste a lot of time. So if you can use it effectively and block out a lot of stuff that might distract you, then that's great. Um, so the next one I want to mention is a site called Teachery. And Teachery was actually created by Jason Zooks, who's on the podcast coming up soon. And it basically allows you to create and sell beautiful online courses in minutes. So there's obviously a number of sites that do this. There's uh, Pathrite and Udemy, of course. But this is one of the really, really basic ones that you could just post up a course and you can start selling it right away. And honestly, I think that it's an interesting process for anybody to go through where you're trying to create an online course. Because again, I really do believe that everybody has some sort of genius or knowledge in them that is just waiting to be shared. And online courses are a good way to do that. Sometimes an ebook is not necessarily the right way to go just because it's not, it's just not natural for you. So sometimes starting with a course, which is really structured, that can then lead to a book or a podcast or something else. So that's, uh, that's one example. Um, now there's a, this is a site that I found that's just really useful. It's called Small PDF and it just lets you do 
things with PDFs that you might need to do. So, so many things are in PDF now. This will compress PDFs. It can turn a PDF into an Excel spreadsheet. You can combine several PDFs, split them, uh, unlock a password protected one. It's very, very basic. And you literally just, you know, click on the action you want to do and then you do it with that PDF. And that is it. So just one of those time savers that's really helpful. There's a website I found called alltherooms.com. And what All the Rooms does is it searches every possible place that you could stay in terms of different kinds of categories of places. So uh, let's say you want to go visit someone in Paris. This will show you the five-star hotels. It will show you the Airbnb listings. It'll even show you couch surfing listings. So you can go from everywhere from, you know, $1,000 a night down to free everywhere you go on one site. So if you're doing a lot of travel, then this is great. Now, there is a service called Audeliver, like audio deliver, and we've seen a few of these before. What this does is we've seen sites that allow you to turn audio into a podcast that's spoken, for example. What I like about this is that uh, this is almost like creating a bookmarking thing for your audio and video stuff. So what I mean is like, there's, let's say there's a, a YouTube video and maybe a video on Dropbox and maybe a video on Vimeo, for example. So you actually can create like a video podcast feed of all these different videos that you want to watch, which is great because, you know, videos can be very distracting if you're watching them at the wrong time. And most people are familiar with taking an article and having that on a list that you can read later, but they're not familiar with doing that with video content. So this, this allows you to do that. You can create sort of like a, a very customized feed of video that you want to watch. So there's an article on make use of called the ultimate ways to make Slack work with your favorite services. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this. It's just that Slack is one of my favorite productivity tools lately. And I'm recommending it to so many companies to help get rid of a lot of internal emails. And this is just something that shows you how to set up what's called slash commands. So then you can actually connect Slack on a very high level with Zapier and do all sorts of things like posting new tasks to Trello or tweeting things that you write in Slack. It's, it's great. Uh, okay, and then I get two more to mention here before we get to the interview. One is called Pipe Top, and this is Data Qualified Prospects for Smarter Sales Teams. So basically it allows you to target the right company prospects for your sales process, and it's it's doing it all with data-driven uh, information. This is It's a little bit too complex to really get into now, but if you run a sales team and you're doing sales online, I just I recommend you just take a look at this in terms, at Pipe Top. It helps really weed out the promising leads from the ones that are not. Uh, and then the last thing I want to leave you with is an article from Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which is How to Be Loved by Everyone, Six Powerful Secrets. So uh, <laughs> one of them is to be a detective. So how do you master the skill of being interested and be sincere when you do it? Well, according to them, uh, the first key is to stop thinking of conversation as a tennis match. Instead, thinking of it as a detective game, which your goal is to learn as much about the other person as you can. Go into the conversation knowing that there is something very interesting about the person and be determined to discover it. And I think that's a really cool process because I, and I certainly find myself doing this too, where you're listening to somebody talk in a conversation, but you're really just waiting until you can say your piece, you know, and so you may be, they said that they had a vacation somewhere and then they keep going for a few minutes and all you're thinking about is how you want to tell them about how you went that place too. And it makes it very hard to have a really positive interactive conversation. And then uh, there's six things here, but I want to tell you one other, which is that monitor your body language. So they're saying that uh, in healthy conversations, the listener makes eye contact 70 to 80% of the time, according to this particular researcher. So, you know, you don't want to be staring at somebody like a weirdo. That's obviously not going to be effective either because that'll just creep them out. 
but you do want to be making significant enough eye contact that they know that you are really listening and paying attention. And that's just something to be aware of. So that's it. That's all I got for today. Enjoy the interview. And I hope that you pick up some medicinal mushrooms because they really can help you in certain binds. So thanks a lot for listening, everybody. The Less Doing Podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What would you do if you could only work an hour a day? Would you crumble or would you thrive? When I was sick with Crohn's disease, I was faced with that reality because there were days when I literally couldn't eke out more than an hour of work a day. And I had to figure out ways to not only get everything done, but get more done than I was doing before. And that is how Less Doing was born. Less Doing is about you. It's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tips into your life in a short amount of time. Whether you're a crazy busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, we've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actual tips on becoming more productive, sign up for my newsletter over at lessdoing.com. But I want to offer you all something more. As listeners of this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to get on the phone with one of my Less Doing certified coaches. I've trained each one of them myself, and they really know what they're doing. The first call is completely free, and you will get some real advice and tips on how you can be more productive in your life and get back to making things easier again. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the interview. So now I'm speaking with Chero from Four Sigma Foods. So thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So first of all, Four Sigma Foods is a, a, a food company, obviously, that produces mushroom extracts, basically. But uh, what, what got you into mushrooms in the first place, and why mushrooms? Sure. Originally, I, I grew up in Finland at our family farm. So uh, we've had that since like 1619. So there's a lot of traditions and, and Nordic people in general are pretty mushroom friendly. So we're, <laughs> we're used to foraging wild berries and mushrooms on a pretty regular basis. And now obviously in the foodie scene, that's all the craze right now. But um, that's the original thing. My uh, dad is an agronomist. Mom teaches physiology and anatomy. And I went to this hippie school that my great grandfather helped to found and it was part of that program was foraging and you know being with nature so i guess that's the background um started my first mushroom company about 10 years ago more in the, the culinary space and and then this four sigma was started uh three years ago with a mission to popularize essentially mushrooms and mushroom consumption so yeah so okay so and that's really cool that, that the whole background and at least in my opinion, why do you think the mushrooms are not like a bigger part of most people's diets, at least in America? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I've been thinking, I've been spending weeks and months thinking about that. So, uh, <laughs> so first and foremost, it has suffered from food racism, as I like to say. Um, yeah, a lot that, of, a lot of people think a lot of mushrooms are poisonous, right? Yeah, they're poisonous, or they think of psychedelic mushrooms, or they just think of like, one type of a culinary mushroom like portobello and they say oh i don't like the taste you know so um the similar kind of reaction is what mushrooms get is somewhat similar to bacteria i think that's a good metaphor i think because bacteria is also some people are scared of bacteria and they're washing their hands on constant basis and both of these are kingdoms just like plants and animals so that that means if something is a kingdom there's some things that are really good for us and some things that are bad for us and 
And it's just there's been with bacteria and fungi, there's been over focus on the things that are bad for us rather than the good for us, whereas both are vital for our health. Without them, we really wouldn't survive. And actually, um, so that's one reason, just generally, generally racism towards like few food groups because we don't understand. And the second part is that we are about 30 to 50% same DNA as mushrooms. So, you know, um, mm. Yeah, depending on the mushroom, we are almost half mushrooms. <laughs> this is both a blessing and our worst enemy. So basically, we're very prone to fungal disease like candida and mold. But we can also utilize mushrooms for medicinal properties probably more than any other food group in the world. So about uh, half of the best-selling drugs in the world are derived from fungi. So fungi will also have a lot of bioavailable things for our body because of the DNA similarity. But one thing is that they, they can be lethal, and they can be scary. So that's that's definitely one reason. And then finally, you know, the, the flavor profile. So the healthiest mushrooms are actually usually tree mushrooms. So they grow in trees and they're extremely bitter. And it's just as a society, Americans are not used to eating a lot of bitters. Pretty much with the exception of black coffee and some dark chocolate, we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't really take a lot of bitters uh, anymore. So it's a lot of very sweet oriented society right now so i think those are a few reasons why it might be that in the last few decades mushroom have not been such a big thing right well there's i mean the the fifth taste sense right is umami which is basically yep. mushroom yeah I, m mushrooms will have umami you can find umami also in a few other places but yes um a lot of mushrooms will have an umami flavor correct and when done properly and not raw but for example sauteed in butter or an oil that unlocks these fat soluble compounds that umami will be emphasized. So, yes, you can definitely enjoy that. Yeah, and and when you said tree mushrooms, as opposed to what ground mushrooms. So most oh, okay. people, because so if there's like one thing misconception is like some people even think mushrooms are part of plants. So they're like, if you're in a plant just plant based diet, but you're eating mushrooms, it's not actually fully correct. So. So mushrooms are many kind. The, one of the leading top mushroom experts expects that there are six times more mushroom varieties than there are plants in this world, which, mean, which would mean that there is about 1.5 million different types of fungi. Obviously, we've only discovered half, part of them. And we just have this general thought that they only grow on, on the ground. But actually, they grow. a lot of them grow on trees. And actually, a lot of plants use them to collect water. So they, they're actually everywhere in the world. So... Uh, essentially mushroom mycelium, which is the roots of the mushrooms, is like the original internet. It runs everywhere. So wherever you walk, there will be mushrooms. Literally like every place on planet Earth from Antarctica to the nuclear reactor of Chernobyl will grow mushrooms. So you can find them everywhere. And, and people just think that they only grow on ground. But a lot of the healthiest mushrooms and the safest mushrooms grow on trees because almost all the poisonous mushrooms are ground mushrooms. And pretty much no tree mushrooms would be poisonous. So it's always a safe bet kind of to take mushrooms from the tree versus from the ground. Interesting. And then well, if you, if you grow mushrooms at home, you know, whether it's like with a kid or in your, I mean, are those also like, do those have uh, similar health benefits or are those like watered down versions? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to a little bit generalize it, but it's pretty accurate overall. So you have two groups, tree mushrooms or medicinal mushrooms, and then you have ground mushrooms or uh, nutritional mushrooms. Um, this is not 100% like this, but just for the, for the sake of it. And these culinary mushrooms or nutritional mushrooms are a great source for full source of protein. They will have few macro and um, other micronutrients such as vitamin D. They're one of the better 
vegan kind of sources for vitamin D, a few minerals such as iron and things like that. So they're more of the macro and a little bit of micronutrient. So it's a great like an alternative to protein, an alternative for certain micronutrients. Whereas these medicinal mushrooms or tree mushrooms tend to have uh, compounds that are way more effective or they require less of them, which help to support our immune system and balance our hormones. So for example, help you to break down cortisol, which is a stress hormone, to sleep deeper. Or especially, that's the group, the medicinal mushrooms is the most studied group, and they're especially studied for the immune system, both when your immune system is inactive, when you you know have a flu or cough, or your immune system is suppressed, or if you have a hyperactive immune response, that's when you might have like things like autoimmune disorders, or you might have uh, even allergic reactions, when you're just like, body's almost attacking itself, you know. So those medicinal mushrooms are good for that, whereas the you know, the portobello mushrooms in the store are a great source, you know, alternative to maybe protein and part of your everyday cooking, kind of like vegetables. So, Okay, so like portobellas, uh, seps, those kind of things, right? Those are yeah. the nutritional ones. There is so, a couple that overlap. For example, shiitake, you could say, is both, it's both medicinal and, and you know, nutritional mushroom, uh, but tends to be like that. Okay, so now from the meniscals, well, actually, before we get to that, you have a, a somewhat unique uh, extraction method, right? Yeah, so it's not actually unique. It's, it's very much ancient, but oh. so mushrooms will have two types of compounds that are good for our health. Um, the other is water-soluble compounds. So water-soluble compounds are things uh, that help with our immune system, especially these polysaccharides and beta-D-glucans, and you can Google those, and those are literally the most studied things on for human health over 1,000 research papers easily easily on the polysaccharides. And those are water-soluble, and you get them by cooking, essentially. you have They have this strong chitin layer, kind of like the shell of a lobster, but once you cook it, you unlock it. So think of it as like bone broth. Bone broth, you have to cook it slow temperature yeah, for a longer right. period. Of, so five minutes is not enough for bone broth. You have to do it several hours, maybe a whole day. So that's the good for the immune system. And then there's fat-soluble compounds that are good for the hormonal balance, so especially these certain kind of sterols. Um, like I mentioned with Rishi, uh, there's these triterpenes that might help balance your endocrine system. And those you get by, um, with the medicinal mushrooms, is more by alcohol tincture. Alcohol will extract fat-soluble compounds. Or with the things like shiitake or maitake uh, mushrooms, you can, you know, technically you could cook them in butter or put them in, in, a, in an oily soup. That's how they originally a lot of them were used is in a in a tea like beverage or in soups. So um, that's another way of somewhat extracting those properties. Okay. So now what? And we do both. I'm sorry. Like uh, dual extraction. What we do means that we do both. We boil it in hot water and the alcohol. So you get best of the, both of the benefits. Okay. So now let's talk about some of the more popular medicinal mushrooms. So the most popular one is probably reishi, and the most studied one. That's R-E-I-S-H-I, where it's also known as the queen of the mushrooms. Pretty much all the top mushrooms are antiviral, antibacterial, and even anti-inflammatory, so they're good for the immune system. What Ricci is interesting for is it's its antihistaminic benefits. So if you have allergic reactions and what I mentioned about possible stress reduction, there's actually now very recent studies just uh, came out this June on how Ricci mushroom could potentially uh, alter your gut bacteria for the better. So studies in California show that it could help with your, you know, microbiome. And that's kind of uh, an interesting 
a new turn in in the research of mushrooms because literally like because of um about half of the top best-selling mushrooms in the world are derived from fungi or they use fungi in their in their formulations there's a constant overflow of mushroom research funds for mushroom research so new things come out but that's probably like when in doubt uh start with reishi um mushroom and uh, another one that i could mention probably for your audience there's also an interesting mushroom called chaga and there's an interesting mushroom called cordyceps but i would maybe for your audience it would be interesting lion's mane which is help shown to help to protect and repair nerve growth factors so essentially it's a food substance which can also act like a smart drug so like um like a nootropic and can it help improve memory and even slight repairment of cognitive functions so that's could be interesting also for a lot of listeners so lion's mane mushroom yeah and so and then i see what about mushroom coffee <laughs> yeah so um so two things uh one is mushroom chaga mushroom was used as a coffee substitute a lot during the second world war it's the highest source of antioxidants so one cup of that dual extracted could you know equal to about 30 pounds of you know carrots and antioxidants and because there was lack of coffee beans it was used as a coffee substitute it tastes somewhat similar a very dark beverage a little bit smoother than a normal black coffee and one problem what these mushrooms is like a lot of people don't don't enjoy the bitter flavor but like i said in in the beginning we do enjoy bitter coffee so just by putting a hint of coffee with it so uh you know we use a mycotoxin free arabica coffee and you don't need to put even that much just like half a teaspoon of it and it will change the flavor completely to something familiar which is like a coffee-like flavor but it's mostly mushroom so that's like what we would call mushroom coffee so and you mentioned mycotoxins it are do are mushrooms uh, like normally a, a, a big source of mycotoxin growth or can be especially the nutritional mushrooms in store can collect molds but here's the here's the cosmic giggle of nature um mycotoxins like the name implies myco mushroom toxin are actually mushrooms itself yeah right so <laughs> so, so what are what the top mushrooms like chalk and reishi are they're actually antifungal so if you have candida you are not it's not recommended for you to eat mushrooms but you should eat reishi because it's actually healing candida so the best mushrooms are actually anti-mushrooms but to make sure that the quality is the highest level you must make sure that during the process they've not collected mold so the bad kind of mushrooms. So we test the patches, uh, every patch on mycotoxins, along with other more common uh, parameters like heavy metals and things like that. So there are mushrooms that are actually anti-mushrooms, but to make sure that they're very high quality, you test them against mushrooms, which is really odd and funny, but yeah, that's, that's how really, it is. Yeah, that is really funny. <laughs> um, and, and so then one of the ones that particularly interests me too is the cordyceps. Yeah, that's actually in the US, I think, the most popularly sold mushroom. Uh, a lot of people don't even know it's a mushroom when they eat it. And it has a funny reputation, cordyceps, that's C-O-R-D-Y-C-E-P-S. And yeah, it's part of the same family, not the one that the humans would eat. There's a BBC uh, kind of documentary where it kind of takes over this ant. And that has been a viral video for a long time because it, it's like a human, it's like a l real life alien thing. So it takes over an ant and comes out of his head. Now, then the cordyceps member that the people eat is totally safe and it's been eaten for thousands of years and it's shown to increase vo2 max that is the maximum oxygen intake and to support our adrenal glands so essentially if those two happen you don't need caffeine or sugar to energize you if you can get more oxygen into your lungs so very popular among athletes 
which is kind of a bummer for me because I think most people who work not work out that much necessarily, but work a lot and have a high stress situation, they need almost as much adrenal support than anybody else. But a lot of athletes are using that for to boost performance. Um, obviously, in endurance sports like triathlon and and endurance running, it's been a big thing. But lately, also MMA and uh, you know CrossFit. But I guess endurance sports is is the field where it really yeah, got its name in the US. Well, it's really, I mean, it's interesting to me that, that it's kind of cool that there, that you could have a cup of tea basically, and that could help your workout, you know, instead of like shooting a Red Bull or something. Does the temperature make a big difference? Because, you know, obviously certain teas have certain steeping. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So once you've done the dual extraction, it doesn't matter. You could have it cold as well. So uh-huh. that, that, that point, it doesn't matter uh, the delivery system. If it, You can even put it in chocolate pieces. I did this weekend with a friend, we did raw chocolate and we added cordyceps there and it works perfectly there. So essentially, um, then we went for a long uh, trail run, a um, couple hours up in, in Santa Monica or uh, Topanga in LA. And we just had for breakfast, we just had raw chocolate with cayenne and cordyceps and cayenne works as a vasodilator as well. So we had that as kind of a booster pre-workout um, along with water. And there's no let down, it's a food. So you don't crash at one point uh, because of it. You could you could put it in hot cold water or meals. Yeah, that's and which is great. So and and the other thing is, I noticed in several of the mixes you've added licorice root. Yeah. So is uh, it digestive the, basically, or? Yeah. So the interesting part of what what I've seen two things in the industry growing up with it is as 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 certain ancient botanicals and and fungi and others been popularized. Two things have happened. One thing has happened that. There's blends that have 50 different ingredients, but none of them would have an effective dosage. So you would have 20 milligrams of maca or, or 50 milligrams of rhodiola, where the effective dosage could be 500, for example. That's one thing. The other thing is that then, or you can buy them single ingredients. So you can buy just that maca. But if you're not used to formulation, you don't understand the synergistic benefits. So most indigenous cultures and herbalists would have combined you know, three to six ingredients that would work synergistically where usually there's a one main herb, which in our case is almost always the mushroom, and then there's supporting herbs uh, that aid with the purpose, how that was formulated, and then there's balancing herbs to make sure to aid the digestive process. So in the case of, for example, cordyceps, it's actually, with panax ginseng, it's, it's a supporting herb. It is also an adaptogen. A lot of people don't know about licorice that. Uh, it is an adaptogen and works great with uh, cordyceps. Whereas we use things like mint, which will help with digestive process. But yes, it is important. But um, one of our packets would equal to about you know up 10 to 15 mushroom capsules. So we're not going to reduce the amount of the effective dosage. On the other hand, we're actually giving more. We're giving up to 1,500 milligrams per portion, where a lot of uh, you know effective doses could be reached with already 500. But we also add the other ingredients to make the absorption better. As a great example, if you're forging yourself or getting mushrooms, Vitamin C is shown to increase these polysaccharide absorption up to nine times. So it could be just adding a vitamin C rich thing. We use rosehip, but you could add anything that has a lot of vitamin C that will enhance the absorption of, of, of the active ingredients in these mushrooms. Are there other mushrooms that you're not offering yet that you've, that, that, or maybe we haven't heard of that you're looking into? Oh, yes. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. So um, so those 1.5 million mushrooms that we've only yeah. <laughs> fraction, there's about 375, you know, about, you know, it's hard to find an exact source cause it's constantly moving. 
that have been shown to have medicinal properties. We want to focus on mushrooms that are generally regarded as safe. So essentially mushrooms that are food that would have both validated Western research, but also usage in indigenous cultures. And, and there's, there's few, few that are really interesting that we are not currently offering. If I want to throw out one, I would say Mishima that has even uh, tumor, anti-tumor related research from Harvard and, and other fascinating things around it. We're not currently focused on it. We're focused on Rishi Chaka, Cordyceps and Lion's Mane because we think they're most differentiated and the most legendary. But there's definitely those. I mentioned shiitake. I mentioned maitake. Those are also interesting to look into. And turkey tail mushroom, which is very easy to find all, almost all over the U.S. It's probably the easiest mushroom to forage, turkey tail. Really? And what does turkey tail offer? Um, turkey tail is like most of these mushrooms, these antiviral, antibacterial properties, good for the immune system, most commonly known for uh, one mushroom researcher, Paul Stamets, had a, had a talk on how her mom helped to uh, heal her breast cancer with that uh, help of uh, turkey tail. So that's how most people know it. But how I use it is just additional immune support and partly for inflammation. So if I'm traveling on a lot of bases, I use a blend of few mushrooms and usually turkey tail is in that blend. So immune system and in- inflammation a little bit. Cool, cool. So now uh, the last question that I always like to ask on these interviews, and, and I'm, I'm interested because you know you, you, you're dealing with something that's really interesting medicinally, but also you know you've created this company out of uh, sort of an ancient industry in some ways. W- what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? Uh, as in individuals or starting a company? Well, whatever uh, you know, as an individual. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great question. I mine is super simple. <laughs> First one is hydration. I think most people, Western people, are just dehydrated on a constant basis. And drinking just water might not be enough if the water is, is not in a high quality, like things like T- TDS numbers and others. So I, I drink spring water if that's possible for you. Otherwise, just adding lemon, lime, otherwise. just But generally hydrating, I think, would have a massive impact. And it's I like it because it's available for everybody. Um, the thing is that certain health tips might not be available to certain individuals because of XYZ. I think hydration is available for everybody. The other thing is breathing. So <laughs> sounds really funny again, but we can be three weeks without eating. We can be three days without drinking water, but we can only be three days without breathing. And a lot of people, I think, breathe shallow. And that will have one of the first things as a, as a former endurance athlete, I noticed as well is like, once you're tired, you feel like your brain gets foggy because you're not having enough oxygen for your brain. So staying effective, yeah, I mean, you need oxygen. And, and a lot of people breathe shallow. And just taking breaks, for example, between meetings to go outside to fresh air, taking a few deep breaths, or practicing yoga, or practicing running, or just being out, outside, especially in a forest that has really good air quality, that would be amazing, or by the sea. And, and then finally... Um, I would say related to kind of my field of, of like nutrition is like constantly like every month trying one new thing. I think sometimes we don't understand that we could be more effective because we are used to the status quo. So just having curiosity to, for example, every month test one new thing. And when you have one variable, it's kind of more reliable to see what works for your body in what situation versus getting all excited and doing 55 things at the same time. It's, it's better to kind of take one by one and just every month introduce one new thing and see how that works. So just have curiosity on finding a thing that works for you the best. So I would say hydration, oxygen, and curiosity, I guess. 
Okay. Well, those are awesome. So, Charles, this has been really uh, amazing for me and I'm sure interesting to the listeners. Can you tell people where they can find out more and, of course, buy the stuff and try it out? Sure. I think in general, if, if you're interested in mushrooms, uh, there's a few good books in Amazon. If you want to go to PubMed, uh, where a lot of the research papers are, just to get curiosity on where the current research is, if you like that world. If you want it more simplified, our company has tried to do that. It's foursigmafoods.com, so F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-F-O-O-D-S.com. And we have simple one-minute videos of, of all mushrooms. We have two free ebooks, over 200 pages of information collected, which you can download. And we have a blog, and obviously in social media, we share information. We try to get that like more scientific and hard-to-read information into a simpler form. So that's probably a place where you can also, you can also buy them there or at your local natural food retailers. So. Fantastic. Well, Tara, thank you so much. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing the future mushroom products that come out of, your, out of Four Sigma Foods. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.